Hello, everyone, and welcome to The JW Show. I'm your host, Joshua Washington, Director of Institute for Black Solidarity with Israel. And today I have a very special guest. Uh, This man is the president of the African Christian Democratic Party in South Africa. He's also a pastor, um, really great man. He happens to also be my father-in-law, and I'm really excited to have him, uh, Reverend Kenneth Mishway. Reverend, thank you for being here with us today. Thank you very much for having me in your shows, Charles. Absolutely. Uh, Reverend, can you, for our listeners, tell us what your role is in the ACDP and also what your role is in the broader South African uh, parliament? I wear many hats. <laughs> yes, sir. Be- yeah, besides being a husband for 43 years, a father of three children and two grandchildren. I am the senior pastor of Hope of Glory Tabernacle in Fort Lourdes. I'm also the president of the African Christian Democratic Party and also a member of the South African Parliament. I am involved, among others, with the Ministry of Reconciliation. Uh, the past few weeks, it has been between South Africans and foreign nationals, as many people would have seen, that there were very unfortunate xenophobic attacks in our country. And so we have been meeting with leaders from other African countries uh, to ask for forgiveness, to look at the reasons why they were what were the possible causes of these attacks, and also to encourage the country to reconcile. Because in the past, during apartheid, South Africa was isolated. And that was one of the reasons that uh, apartheid had to collapse. Um, the issue of boycotts and isolation, they have strength, they are very effective. And what happened with the xenophobic attacks the past few weeks is that countries and citizens of countries um, where nationals that are in South Africa were attacked, were reacting, um, and they were starting to say, if they attack our people in South Africa, we will also attack South Africans in our country. Wow, wow. And so we had to warn South Africans that they need to think ahead. Mm. Because if that continues, that would mean that South Africa would find, uh, ultimately not do business with other African countries. Right. Which, which would negatively affect our economic growth. Mm. And so sense has prevailed and our prayers have been answered. That's why it is quiet today. So I was heavily involved with that. Wow. But unfortunately, um, you have many uh, of our people of color who have not traveled, who do not understand that the country or nations or the continent of Africa specifically is bigger than South Africa. You know, when you are an American that has only traveled 
between states in the U.S. Mm. and you have never left the country. You think that uh, there is no other world. It's just right. you because you have never been anywhere. Right. So people with that mentality in South Africa were thinking that we could succeed on our own without the input and cooperation of other countries outside South Africa because many of the people who were pushing for the attack on foreign nationals were people that had never traveled out of South Africa. Mm, right. So this lack of experience and knowledge of what's happening beyond our borders contributed to making them uh, think small, be short-sighted, and maybe have a just narrow tunnel vision of only see them, their state and other states. And beyond that, they could not think. And right. so when we raise the issue of remember that in other African countries and other continents, mm. there are South Africans who want to live in peace with the nationals of those countries, who want to be respected, who want to be protected. And so what you do here is going to impact negatively on them. Right, right. I, rem I remember that uh, when rugby the World Cup, World Rugby World Cup started in Japan. Yes. Um, we heard over the news that there were some Africans who were also attending the World Cup who did not want to associate with South Africans. So even in Japan, far as it is from where we are, people who did not want to have anything to do with South Africans because they were seeing them as their enemies. And it was very sad that it was Africans from other countries where who didn't want to associate with South African black people in Japan because wow. of what happened as a result of those uh, xenophobic attacks. So wow. when a person travels, when a person has a bigger outlook, then that person would realize that what I'm doing in my community, if I'm not careful, is going to impact my relations with other people and other countries. And we cannot afford to do that. South Africa comes from a history of isolation, and we do not want to be boycotted by Africa. Mm, absolutely. Mm. Dad, and I want to ask you this too. Um, it, what would you say, you said there are some contributing factors, but what would you say is the root, the root of this, these xenophobic attacks and, and what's been going on? What would you say is the, is the root of that? Well, in my country, I think there are two things um, maybe two or three. Firstly, you have an element of um, Africans from other countries who are more industrious, who are more disciplined, who are more hardworking than our locals. Mm. You know, when the late Robert Mugabe died and people were... Uh, debating about what kind of a man he was. And obviously, most people were condemning him for the atrocities he committed in Zimbabwe. Right. But there was one Zimbabwean national who said, he said, there are two things that he will forever be grateful for that Robert Mugabe did for them. And the first one, he said, Robert Mugabe gave them the best education on the continent, mm. which is true. Wow. And he said because he adopted the Cambridge, British Cambridge model, and he adapted and made a few adjustments to suit 
their local conditions. But the Zimbabweans are very educated. Mm, mm. That's, that was the first thing this person said he was grateful for. Wow. But secondly, he said, Robert Mugabe taught them to work hard with their hands and not depend on the state, hmm. not depend on government. Right. And this is where many South Africans are failing. And that's where the South African government has failed our people. They have created what you call a nanny state, a social Mm. state that Mm. gives people almost everything they want. Mm. Uh, You have young girls who fall pregnant, and what does government do? They give them checks, as it happens in the U.S. Right, right. Now, many black people do not realize that this is not a favor. It creates a mentality, spirit, a a, a mentality a dependency, mm. a dependency that is that is hindering the advancement of black people. Mm. So if black people de- decides or supports or they want a government that will do everything for them without them doing anything, then that that group is disadvantaged. Mm. And so when this man from Zimbabwe said they taught us to work hard, I said it is so true because today, today. Many employers would prefer a Zimbabwean worker to a South African worker. Mm, wow. Because they know suffering. They've been taught how to work with their hands. Right. So those who get checks for doing nothing, even though short term, one might say it's a good thing short term, but long term, it does not create in people a hard work mentality. Mm. And as you know, as Christians, that God blesses the works of our hands. Absolutely. So so because of this, um, many employers would prefer Zimbabwean uh, citizens and nationals from other places uh, to be employed by them. And obviously, South Africans would become angry. Mm. Uh, they would become angry and they say, why you give them jobs when we are there, we should be given first preference. But where they make a mistake is that even where people from other countries start their own jobs with their own hands, they start their own small businesses, something that South Africans can also do. Right. These guys, they do because our people don't do it. And obviously, this again becomes an issue, then they complain and say they take our jobs and so on, they take our jobs. But the other reason, okay, that's the first one, Right. that Many employers prefer outside workers than locals. Mm. And obviously, in some cases, uh, employ, local employers, obviously, they, they don't pay outsiders as well as they should pay right. them. Uh, locals have unions. If you, do not, if you do not pay them well, if you do not earn uh, a minimum wage, then obviously the unions will protest and so on. But the foreign nationals, obviously, unfortunately, are not union members. They just take whatever little salary they're given and so on. But the most important thing is productivity, mm. the output that they give and the, the energy they put in what they're supposed to do. I think they are doing much better than us. So, but the other reason is uh, among the foreign nationals, and there are many who are involved in criminality. Mm. Um, in this case, particularly, um, there's a group of people from Nigeria mm. that have been leading with sex trafficking, human trafficking, and selling of drugs. Oh, wow. 
Yeah, and uh, because they were involved in that, the locals would paint all Nigerians with the same brush. Mm. Now, all those who are listening, they need to understand that we have good people in all tribes, in all nations. There mm. is no nation or tribe that does not have good people, and there is no nation or tribe that does not have bad people. Right. So the unfortunate thing is that with those uh, xenophobic attacks, people will just say they are Nigerians, and they just attack everybody. So many, right. many innocent people lost their lives, were hurt, were injured, were attacked. Some lost their businesses, which was very, very unfortunate. So these two things were major. They were the major ones that people who complained that they are taking our jobs, which was not always the case. Right. But secondly, many of the foreign nationals would uh, become involved in drug trafficking and other criminal acts. And rather than people target those who are responsible for the criminality, mm -hmm. then they will just attack everybody because they are not South African. Right. Wow. Wow, mm -hmm. Dad. Um, so, Reverend, I, I appreciate you sharing this. It's it's obvious that, that you are very involved um, in the affairs of, of South Africa and also that it it's it's very close to your heart. Um, and so I, I appreciate you bringing light to that situation. I want to ask you, how is it being both a pastor and a politician, um, do you find those it's difficult, or are you are you able to separate, or do those things sometimes overlap? How is that? Well, it depends how principled the person is. Mm. The difficulty come when you are alone, on when you are every are very few, and the majority overwhelm you, the majority criticize you. Uh, majority condemn you in some cases. That's the, where the difficulty is. But to separate the truth, you know, the Bible speaks about rightly dividing the word of truth. Right. For me, I do not find a contradiction uh, between being a pastor and being a member of parliament or a political leader. And I said, it, if you a pastor is principled, a person is able to rightly divide the word of truth. Mm. A person has convictions. Then it is possible to succeed, to mm. be a successful pastor and also a successful politician. Mm. It was one of my concerns before I got into politics because, as you should know, I hated politics. Mm. And I preached in the past against Christian involvement in politics mm. because of the Christians who lost their moral ground when wow. they were in politics wow. because of the Christians who compromised their values when right. they were in politics. Right. Now, one of the things, obviously, when God spoke to me about politics that I had to clear with him, I had to ask the Lord questions. Right. And for those Christians who might not know, God is not offended as a father, as a loving father. He's not offended when we ask him questions right. because we want to understand. Right. He's not offended. Right. Actually, you would be interested to know that your wife, Josh, your wife, uh, Olga, my daughter, is yes, a sir. questioner. Yes, sir. Yes, she, she is. <laughs> she, she grew up asking questions. You say, Olga, do this. Why? Olga, do this. Why? You right. know, she would just ask questions all the time. Mm. Mm. until we realize that you, you don't have to be offended when a person wants to understand. 
Right. Okay? right. So God is like that. So I asked him questions, you know, about why, why are so many Christians losing their zeal, losing their fire, losing their moral principles when they get involved in politics? Right. And he said most of them are unequally yoked. Now, mm. I've been a member of parliament since 1994. Right. I've seen Christians in other political parties who'd go against their consciences. For example, you come to the issue of abortion. You come to the issue of homosexual marriages. You ask them the question, but how can you as a Christian, as a Christian leader, how can you support something like this? And then they would say, you know, obviously, um, I have to obey party policy. If I do not obey, if I do not uh, do as my party requires, then I'm going to lose my job. So it is about job preservation. But when a person is principled, that person can say, I came into this situation knowing that I'm going to deal with the ungodly, Mm. who might not think the way I do. But one thing I will not do, that is compromise my values, compromise my principles, in order to benefit materially from the people I work with. So that's why I say it depends how principled a person is. And I encourage Christians that no matter where you are, stand up for what you believe, stand up for your convictions, above all, stand for the Lord. Mm -hmm. If I know what God requires and there's a price to pay, I don't mind paying the price for as long as I will obey God. Absolutely. That is one of the reasons why I've succeeded these 25 years in politics. I have stood my ground. My colleagues know me very well. They mm. know that on some issues, they will not move me. does not matter how many of them are against me. I'm a man of principle. I love the Lord. I do not compromise my values for political acceptance. Absolutely. Yes, Dad, thank you. And, Dad, I, um, I appreciate you sharing this. I want to... Um, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about Israel. That's why we're here. And um, I want to ask you, as as a political leader who um, is obviously dealing with a lot of the things that we just talked about in South Africa, why do you also advocate for Israel? I would I, w- I would argue that you're one of the, probably the, the loudest and strongest South African voice, um, especially black South African voice in, in support of Israel. Um, why is that? Um, I am not only a Christian, but I am a Bible-believing Christian. Mm. And I believe every Bible-believing Christian should support Israel. Mm. Because we claim to believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And yet, we ignore the fact that Jesus Christ, our Master and Savior, has come through the lineage of David, who was a Jew. Absolutely. So it is correct to say Jesus Christ was a Jew. Absolutely. So how do we love Jesus, who was a Jew, and hate Jews that are around us? Mm. It does not make sense. Right. And also, uh, 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 Christians have to remember that When the Jews were scattered uh, in all parts of the world, 
it was as a result of their sin, particularly idolatry, mm. that God in his anger punished them by scattering them, by allowing their nation to be invaded, Israel to be invaded right. by other foreign forces. But at the same time, when they would be invaded, God would give the promise that the day would come hmm. when he would bring them back home. Wow. And so what is happening now, over a number of years now, Christ, uh, Jews have been going back home hmm. to the place where the Bible we read was written, okay, or yeah. was offered, right. because God spoke to the prophets. And all those prophets he spoke to, none of them was American or South African. They were hmm. all Jewish. Right, right. So I find it difficult to hear Christians who do not support Israel, and yet they claim to be Christian. They claim to be born again. Now, if you say to such people, show me in the Bible, show me in the Bible, where it says the Israel of today is different from Israel of old, they can't show you mm. because there is no such a place. And I say to South Africans, South Africans should be leading the fight in defense of Israel mm. because during apartheid, many freedom fighters scattered throughout the world. Mm. They went into exile. But there came a time when they had to go back home. Mm. They had to come back home to South Africa. Right. And so because they have experienced that to a certain measure of being in exile, mm. okay, with Israel, it was because of punishment, because of their disobedience. Right. With us, it was because of apartheid, but they all were outside of the country, they were in exile. Right. And the time came when they came home. And when they came back home, nobody questioned them. Mm. Nobody called them foreigners in their own country. So when you read, for example, in Psalm 83, that there is a conspiracy to annihilate the nation of Israel, mm. you ask yourself a question, if I believe in justice, can I be quiet when somebody wants to annihilate the whole nation? Mm. Will I be quiet when somebody wants to commit genocide? Right. Will I be quiet? Then you realize that there is a lot of hypocrisy, not only among Christians, but, but also among nations of the world. There's a lot of hypocrisy in the United Nations itself. Mm. Because when there are talks, Iran, for example, when Iran says they want to remove uh, Israel from right. the face of the earth, mm. they want to destroy Israel. And the Palestinian leaders also say the same thing. They want to eradicate. They start drawing map, maps, producing maps of uh, the Middle East, maps of Israel. But uh, Israel is not shown on the map altogether. It's all now Palestine. Why? Right. Because they are entertaining the thought of one day annihilating these people, removing them from the face of the earth all the time. Right. Then ask yourself a question. Nations that claim to believe in democracy, in the right to life, Nations that claim that they will defend all nations' right. Mm. When it comes to Israel, they are not defending them. Mm. So as somebody who believes in justice, I believe in justice. When somebody who believes in justice and also believes in the word of God and understands what has happened with the Jews mm. and why they are being targeted, then I said, no, I will speak up for them. 
I'm mm. one of the, the very, very few. Actually, you are correct when you say I'm the loudest because I believe we need to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. Mm. There are adults sometimes that cannot speak for themselves, that somebody must speak for them. So Absolutely. I love the Jewish people because I am saved today. I have eternal life today because it has come through the Jewish people. Mm. It has come through Israelites. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And Dad, or Reverend, when you when you talk about these things, I know that you've heard um, a lot of the arguments that the reason why black South Africans don't support Israel is because they say that Israel is the same as apartheid South Africa was. Um, can you can you speak to that? What, what was what was your reaction when you first when you first heard that Israel was being compared to apartheid South Africa? Well, it angered me. I was upset um, and uh, I was disappointed. I was angry because people were blatantly lying mm. when they did that and when they said that. I have been, the first time I went to Israel, after hearing of all these allegations, I visited the schools. Uh, Israeli primary school, uh, and then I saw Arab teachers teaching Jewish children. In South Africa, a black man would never teach a white child. Mm. Mm. We went to the hospitals. We saw Jewish patients sleeping next to Arab patients, mm. Muslim patients. In South Africa, a black man would never sleep next to a white person. Mm. We went to the Knesset. We saw members of parliament who were Arab, mm. members of parliament who were Muslim. Mm. Then you ask yourself a question. Why does this comparison fit? Because in South Africa, black people were not even allowed to, set, to step into a parliament that was designed for white people. Mm. We went to the Dead Sea. We went to the Sea of Galilee. We were surprised to see Arabs swimming next to Jews. Mm. Then we realized, no, 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 this thing is a lie that must be challenged. Mm. But because many people prefer political correctness to biblical correctness, right. even, they, even though they know that it is not the truth. The apartheid that was in South Africa is not found anywhere in Israel. Mm. They will still support the liberals and the hateful that want to see Israel destroyed. Mm. Now, I strongly believe that if the, what the Palestinians are enjoying in Israel today was in apartheid in South Africa, I don't believe there, could, there would have been an arms struggle. Mm. Because the arms struggle, one, the, the, some of the major goals of the arms struggle was to have the right to vote, the right to choose your own leaders, the right to freedom of movement, the right to live where you wanted to live, mm. the right to marry whoever you wanted to marry. Mm. Now, when you go to Israel, all these rights are there. Right. So when people say Israel is an apartheid state, it's not only dishonest, 
It is also, in a way, insulting. I say insulting because if black people would have rebelled and called for boycotts mm. while they were enjoying what the Arabs are enjoying in Israel today, then people would have said, we don't know what we want. We are, we are sissy. We are sissies. Mm. We are children. We are childish, you know, because right, right. we would be having every right that white people would be having. But the fact is, we did not have that right, those rights. Mm. That is why the struggle, the armed struggle against apartheid was justified. Mm. But now in Israel, the, those who are involved in, someone to you say armed struggle, armed struggle, but that's terrorism. But most of them, the goal is what? Is to wipe off Israel is to mm. destroy Israel, mm. is to remove Israel, the Jewish people. And I don't think that's right. And I don't think anybody who believes in justice should agree with that. Mm. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely. And Dad, um, for you as, as a South African, um, what do you, can you talk about Israel's relationship to South Africa right now um, and where where it is right now and, and what your hope, it is in the future well um the, the the relationship between these two countries south africa and israel is not good mm. at the moment mm. um we have a lot of uh influence on government that comes from the palestinians mm. during the last uh, anc policy conference Hamas had a delegation there. Oh, wow. Yeah, Hamas had a delegation. And one of their goals was to influence ANC members mm. to support boycotting Israel. And, Dad, I don't want, I don't mean, uh, I, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you. I just want to, for our listeners to know, Hamas, if you don't know, is, is the terrorist organization that rules in Gaza. Um, they're responsible for all the rockets that get launched into Israel um, that we see on the news. So they were um, one of the, they were at the ANC policy conference, you were saying that, in South Africa? Yes. Okay. Yes, yes. Okay, go, go ahead. Sorry, continue. Then. No, no, no problem. So because they hate Israel, they wanted, they influenced Israel, uh, so, sorry, the ANC to also turn against Israel. Mm. And they also said, no, the embassy uh, and relation that Israel, South Africa has with Israel must be terminated. That is why wow. um, they started, ANC started talking about downgrading our embassy, downgrading the, the Israeli embassy. Wow. Now, a decision has been made to do that, but the process has not uh, taken place yet mm. because, because there are people within the ANC who are thinkers, who know that there is technology in Israel that they need. Mm. But there are a few people who don't care about the needs of their people. You know, if you are a leader and you care for people and your people need help, it's like when you are sick, when somebody in your family, somebody is sick mm. and you see them in pain, right. you want them to find relief, you will not care from where the medication comes from. Right, right. You will not care. As long as you love that person, that person is sick. You will want that person to find remedy from wherever as soon as possible. Absolutely. 
So we have people now within the ANC who know that South Africa needs the technology that Israel has. As an example, um, South Africa has a water crisis. Right. We have plenty of water around us. We have on our left the Atlantic Ocean. On the right, we have the Indian Ocean. Mm. The whole ocean is around the borders of South Africa. Mm. Now, Israel has the technology of using seawater, changing seawater sea into drinkable water. Right. So we should not be having a problem of water today, but we still have it because we have people who hate Israel who are saying, don't accept any remedy, assistance, whatever from Israel. If you want somebody to teach us how to um, desalinate how to put up desalination plants. Right. Let's try somewhere else. We will not go to Israel, even though they are one of the leaders, if not, if not the leader in the world today. Wow. So, so um, the relations are not good, but we are hoping, believing and praying mm. that the day will come when common sense will prevail. Mm. Mm. And when common sense prevails, that we will have a godly government in South Africa. Mm. And when we have a godly government in South Africa, we will be friend, friends with builders and not destroyers. Mm. We will be friends with people who will contribute to a better life to our people and not people who want to keep our people sick, keep our people uneducated, keep our people poor, we, we, we cannot, we cannot uh, allow ourselves to remain at the bottom hmm. when we have opportunities to go to the top. Hmm. And I believe the technology that Israel has can greatly assist South Africa because they have started from nothing. When they came from exile, they started from nothing. And when you look at where they are today, uh, economically, when you look where they are today, they are innovators. They uh, have startups. It's a startup nation, right? Right. Uh, proportionally, they they innovate more than other nations. Proportionally, they have won more Nobel Peace Prizes than other nations in the world. Mm. Proportionally speaking, you know. Right, so right. these are the people we should be learning from. But my country, South Africa, today under the ANC does not want to do that. That's why we are looking forward to the day when the ANC is out of power and then we'll bring into South Africa any technology from anywhere that can improve the lives of our people, including from Israel or particularly from Israel. Wow, absolutely, Dad. And and to tie in what we talked about in the beginning, too, um, I wanted to ask you, do you see um, a... Is there a connection at all between the hatred that you've been having to deal with in South Africa and the um, anti-Israel, sometimes anti-Semitic behavior that, that goes on in South Africa? Do you see a connection between those two things? Well, definitely. There are definite similarities. Mm. You, you, you know, we are all influenced by the company we keep. Mm. If you keep the company of haters not long, you are going to be a hater, a hater yourself. Mm. You're going to be influenced. Right. And South Africa has chosen haters mm. to be their friends. Mm. 
they have chosen people who teach their children to kill from young mm. to be their friends. Right, right. Now, we want our friends to be people who teach their children to love and respect their neighbors. Right. Rather than attack and kill those who don't agree with. So the anti-Semitic sentiments are, are growing in South Africa because mm. the ruling party has embraced people who would never speak about love, people who never speak about tolerance, mm. people who never speak about accepting those who agree with, people who never agree that the, everybody on earth, every tribe on earth has the right to live, has the right to, to be given an opportunity to achieve whatever they can achieve. Mm. And we want to distance, I want to distance myself from such mm. because I don't want my children to become haters because they are associated with haters. Mm. I believe in good neighborliness mm. and I want to be neighbors to people who would want me to be their neighbor, who'd want my friends to be their neighbors and who'd not threaten to kill just because we disagree. Mm. Mm. That's awesome, Dad. I that's yeah. very powerful. Thank you so much. And Dad, I want to uh, thank you again for, for being here with us and, and joining us and, and sharing your wisdom and your experience. And uh, we'll be hopefully bringing you on again soon just to see how everything's going and and get an update from you. But but I want to just thank you and, and to our listeners, thank you for listening to, to Reverend Mishwe. Um, thank you, Dad. Thank you, my son. Absolutely. The Lord bless you. You too. You take care. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. Okay. And thank you all for listening to the JW Show. Once again, my name is Joshua Washington, and I'm signing off.